0: Today, what I want to do is this. I want to talk to you about standing firm in the face of opposition. I want to talk to you about how is it that you deal with discouragement. Anybody in the house ever get discouraged? Anybody in the house ever feel a little opposition? Opposition? Your life. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. And so God has something for us to say that he wants to say to us from the scriptures here. That you will face opposition and you will face discouragement in your life. Who tells you how to face that? God actually is telling you how to face opposition and how to face discouragement. Now think about it. The impact of discouragement on your life. How many students quit school because of discouragement? I, in school, you know, I got so discouraged when I was in college that I, wa- I'm not kidding you, this is the truth, I walked into the classroom, and I looked who was there, and I said, oh, dang, Kenny Itzuzui is there, Kenny went to Harvard Medical School, I thought, oh, dang, Kenny Itzuzu is there, then I looked at another guy, and another guy, and I thought, all the A's in the class are taken. And I walked out of the class. and And I really, I didn't take a class. I got so discouraged just by seeing who was taking the class. But we get discouraged in school. We drop out. We quit jobs without even having another job because we're so discouraged there. Couples end up in divorce court. Because they get so discouraged. I mean, all of us are going to face seasons of discouragement, and it's universal, and there is nothing that we can do about it. Everyone faces discouragement. No one is immune from discouragement here. And so, and it's easy to live a life full of discouragement. It's easy to live a life where it's just recurring. You think like, wow, I just got over that. And then, and then on Monday morning, you're discouraged again there. And so, and then we're going to learn how to face opposition. If we were to take a survey here this morning and say, how do you react to opposition? Because God's going to show you how you want to react. But if we were to take a survey and say, how do you react? Some people, how many would say, I get super uptight? By a show of hands, how many people get super uptight? I get get uptight. I get uptight. The speaker here. How many people blow up? You just blow up. You just want to taser somebody. Come on. You want to taser somebody. I want to taser somebody. Okay. So you lose your temper. Uh, You're just losing. You you want to give up. You get discouraged. And so we're going to learn about this morning how to handle opposition and how to handle discouragement. Uh, We're going to get, this is what you're going to get this morning. You're going to get some practical insights on how to face discouragement and how to face opposition. You ready? Okay, let's stand to our feet. Stand to your feet. I'm inviting you. Stand to your feet if you can. This is the word of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter four. You can look on the screens or your smartphones. Or you can go old school and actually have a Bible. Okay. So Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. And he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. Saying in front of his friends, the Samarian army officers, what does this bunch of poor feeble Jews think that they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heat and charred ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked on top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. And may their scoffing fall back on their heads. And may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. For the people had worked with enthusiasm. You may be seated. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for every person that is here. Thank you that you are, you are the God that works within us and you are building us up. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for your unfailing love. And thank you that you're a God who, who changes lives by your power. And Father, thank you that you're a God who transforms us. So, Father, we pray that you would help us to hear things that the Spirit of the living God would make real to us. Thank you, Father, that you're above our circumstances. You're above every situation that we face. I pray that you would stir our hearts in anticipation of what we might hear this morning. And may we ultimately experience a real and passionate um, relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Just in case you're new, we're going to do a little review. Just in case you're new, we're going to do a little review. If you've been with us, well, just kind of sit there and endure the review. Okay, so Nehemiah faces this intensely severe and violent opposition. He's facing massive discouragement. You want to know how to overcome discouragement? He's facing massive discouragement. When he's called to accomplish a task that God had given him to do there, So Nehemiah, he's living the dream. He's living this Persian dream here. He has an awesome government job here. He has arrived and he has made it. It's a sweet gig. He's tasting the king's food, the finest food in the world, the finest wine in the world there. So he's a food taster in the posh palace of King Artaxerxes there. Filled with lots of perks, there great food, great wine. I mean, he's there Persia, the Empire, the, the power uh, broker in the world there, living the super-comfortable and super-posh lifestyle. So then one day, everything changes. One day he gets devastating news. One day he becomes burdened, and he hears about the train wreck, which is the city of Jerusalem and that it needs to be rebuilt, but he doesn't live there. He's 800 miles away in Susha, uh, the palace there. Uh, What I want us to see is this. This is a defining moment for his life. How about you? One day out of nowhere, you may hear news, and it can be a defining moment for your life. It can be a turning point. This is the day that changed everything. It could be your school. It could be a job. It could be your marriage. It could be a relationship. It could be an opportunity. It could be a sense of a new calling there. One day it changes everything. There he is living in his comfortable lifestyle. Now God makes it real to him that he's to be part of the solution there. So Nehemiah now is burdened. Nehemiah now his heart is broken. Nehemiah now watch. His life gets redefined for him. (coughs) It's a turning point here. Nehemiah realizes, I am living the wrong story. Nehemiah realizes, God has another story for me. Nehemiah realizes, I was made for more than this. I was made for more than this palace. And Nehemiah, what he does here is he wrestles with God for four months Four months, they're wrestling with God. And then all of a sudden, Nehemiah realized, like, I'm to be the solution to this problem. So, Nehemiah, this is just how I see it. This is how I see it. I see Nehemiah there floating around the palace there in his nice Gucci shoes. Just imagine, there is a has got his Gucci shoes on. And God says, no more Gucci shoes for you. Now, steel-toed work boots for you, Nehemiah. I'm sending you to Jerusalem. And that's what God can do in your life. It can be comfortable, it can be posh, it can seem great, it can seem important. And one day, God can make it real to you. I've got a new story for you. I've got a new life for you here. So, Nehemiah, does he know anything about building walls? I mean, he's a food taster. God calls him to do something that he was utterly unqualified to do. Not a bricklayer, not an architect, not a general contractor, but Nehemiah is being seized By a broken world moment. Have you ever had a broken world moment where something begins to seize your heart? Where even God begins to nudge you and taps you on the shoulder that you're to do something about that broken world moment. Nehemiah, that's not for someone else. That's for you. I know you've been praying for four months. Now you are the answer to the problem there in Jerusalem, 800 miles away. So have you ever been seized, have you ever been gripped in hard? where something's not right, something needs to be done there, maybe you're even losing sleep at night there, and you say, God dang, man, you know, th- that shouldn't be happening. God begins to build you, something perhaps in culture and society, the community needs to be rebuilt, needs to be restored there. You feel moved and you, you drop to your knees there and begins to just to break your heart, to Do something there. I remember when I came to uh, California after I finished uh, graduate school in Oklahoma. And I came to a church that I had never been to before and I looked around the church and I just felt burdened for the students. I felt absolutely burdened for students. I didn't know a thing about student ministry. I did zero, like nothing. I just graduated from dental school, I was trained to be a doctor, and I showed up feeling like, man, I. I think I need to be about students, so I went and I talked to the pastor. I said, "I said, you guys, do you have anybody to do students?" So we don't have anybody to do students. I said, "Um, "My first meeting, you want me to do the students?" I said, he asked me a couple uh, questions, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I want you to do the students." So I started. I started student ministry with absolutely zero, zero, experience. And, uh, and God bless him. It was amazing. But, uh, but this is what happened. God calls Nehemiah with zero experience. God may call you. You feel unqualified. You have no experience. But God begins to burden your heart for something. And it just and you begin to lean into it there. And God makes it real that that's what you're to do. And so Nehemiah now, watch what he does. He begins to engage God. He, he's in a prayerful posture there. He's interacting with God, and, he, and he's, he's wrestling through this here. And so God impresses upon Nehemiah. Nehemiah, what about you? You're to be the answer to the prayer, Nehemiah. Not somebody else, but you. And so uh, you're going to be the one that fixes this thing. And so Nehemiah then, he begins to sense that this is God's direction for his life. And so Nehemiah had a desire then to personally be the answer to the problem. That was God. That was a God thing. He said, send me. He said, I will go. And so then Nehemiah jumps in. He's gonna, he jumps into the gap. He just takes a leap there of faith there after praying his guts out for four months. And then he, God gives him a plan and he lays it out to the king there. And the king's like, yeah, everything you want, I'm going to do for you. And then he arrives there in Jerusalem. And he de- at nighttime, he details the, 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 the intensity of the crisis there. And so he's got a full arsenal of resources. He's got royal permission. And then he realizes this, which is so important. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8. He says this. He says, and the gracious hand of God was upon me. And I just want to reemphasize this, that you want God's hand upon you. Seasons of discouragement, seasons of opposition. You want God's hand upon you. Why do you want God's hand upon you? So God would empower you. God would sustain you. God would guide you. In that relationship that you're in, you're going to get married. You're thinking about getting married. You want God's hand upon you so you can learn how to be the right kind of husband. Okay, you're in a job. You want God's hand upon you. All of life, your relationships, you want his hand upon you. Don't even think about doing your life. You're a Christ follower without God's hand upon you. So that's the review right there. And uh, now, Nehemiah chapter 4. Cheers. So now, the ancient story. If it ended right there, if it ended right there, how many people would go? That was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. What an awesome story. There's Nehemiah doing his thing with the king and the posh palace there and his Gucci shoes and all. God taps him on the shoulders. He starts crying four months praise. Goes 800 miles. Goes to Jerusalem. Gets the wall going. Last week. It's a really tough chapter to teach on, Pastor Steve, so I thought it'd be a good time to be out of town. So, gave it to him. He rocked it. But, you anyway, know, so chapter 3, 50 people, building the wall, gets the thing going. Uh, no pushback. Everything seems amazing. Smooth sailing. We've been going like, that's an awesome story. But see, God says, no, Time out. The next three chapters, i got to talk to you about discouragement and opposition. Yeah, I gave you a few little verses about Nehemiah's passion. Yeah, I gave you a few verses about Nehemiah's preparation. Yeah, I gave you a few uh, things about his admin skills. And all, but here's what you need to know. Now for three chapters, how important is it to, to learn about how to overcome challenges, how to overcome struggles, how to deal with conflict and disapproval and resistance, He says, for three chapters, you're going to learn here from Nehemiah how to drink deeply from the well of discouragement because you are going to face that. So, I gave you a few verses on all the other things about Nehemiah, but now this is what I really want to talk about how to deal with discouragement. So, here we are, chapter four. And Nehemiah is going to do something great. Do something great for God. And all of a sudden, arrows of discouragement just start getting shot at in here. So, for three straight chapters, God wants to say something to us about opposition. In your notes, in your notes, you can't have opportunity without opposition. You cannot have opportunity without opposition. So, we need to expect it, get ready to deal with it, because when you step out, watch, you trust God and you step out you are always going to face opposition. That is an inescapable reality. Opposition from the world, opposition from even people around you there, opposition from spiritual darkness. And so let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, Nehemiah's great welcoming party. Here he's coming to save the day, and what happens? Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. And he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. So here's Nehemiah. He's on a roll, and he rolls into town here. And it's not exactly a welcoming party here. There was no, hey, Nehemiah, it's awesome that you arrived with balloons and signs Here, No. The original language, Sambalat, is burning mad, hot mad. He's just indignant. He just has, he's thinking to himself, they have the audacity to come here to Jerusalem here and to attempt to build this wall. So here you have this guy who, who represents really the powers of darkness there, who is, who is a, a figure of intense antagonism toward Nehemiah here. Now, think about this. What did Nehemiah do to deserve all this? I mean, Nehemiah is just doing what God wanted him to do. Nehemiah is just answering God's call. He's just doing God's mission. And now he faces all this intense opposition, discouragement, and drama. I mean, what's going on here? All Nehemiah did was say yes to God, and now this. All Nehemiah is doing is following God's best for his life, and he walks into this. And how many people, when that happens, when you, you lean into what God wants you to do and you feel like you're being obedient and all, and then you 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 face intense opposition and you want to quit and you want to give up. Well, this is here to teach you something, that this is how it is. See, you you could say, oh, like, really, God? I was just obeying you. I was trying to do what you told me to do. And now I got Sanballat, you know, screaming at me. So in your notes there, opposition can be expressed as the anger of others at you. Sometimes it comes to expression this way. People are angry with you. Sanballat is furious. Now, think about this. Is this a little overreaction or what? I mean, all he's doing is building a wall, building a wall. So if I was building a wall, a fence around my house, and the, 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 the mayor of the community came and flew into a furious rage and started mocking me, would you think that was a little weird? Would you think that was a little weird? I mean, he's, being mo- he's building a wall, right? He's building a wall. And the guy is losing it. So this is just a little bit weird. But what we find out here is Sanballat, he's doing a little micro empire thing there. And so that's why he was going to lose money. This is going to affect his lifestyle here. And so Sanballat, who represents the kingdom of darkness here, is against the people and the purposes of God. That's what we need to, to see here. He is actually the enemy of God's people and the enemy of God here. So he's like just flat out ticked off. I mean, he's making fun of them here. So he flies into a rage, verse 2. Now watch what happens. Saying in front of his friends. So what's he doing here? I want you to see this. They're built, they're, they want to build a wall. Here he comes. He's like mad. And watch what he does. He begins to intimidate. He begins to mock them. So just see this in your mind. says in front of his friends, the Sumerian army officers, What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing? Like, like, they're a joke, okay? Let's just get to the bottom line. They are a joke, okay? And do they think they can build a wall in a single day by offering a few sacrifices? In other words, like, hey, their their God God who can build walls is going to help them. Otherwise, they're hopeless. Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap? So what is he doing here? He's ridiculing, mocking, belittling here. The service of God. Again, they're just doing what God has called them to do. So it's a picture of the opposition that you will face when you step out and you serve God here. They're saying, hey, there's no way they'll do this. They're saying, you don't have what it takes. You're over the hill. So Sanballat, whose name means the agitator, is agitating. Okay, He's agitating on steroids. You know what he reminds me of? Reminds me of the school bully. I have a school uh, bully story, but I'm going to share it another time. So, all right, maybe I, I might just tell this story. But remember when you were in junior high or high school there and there was always the bullies? Remember what I'm talking about? So, Balat, he's like the bully. Okay? He's like the high school, junior high bully there, and he's punking Nehemiah. He's punking and he punks him in front of all his friends. And he gets a crowd like, oh good, I can even punk him some some more here. He said, hey, the odds are against you, Nehemiah. That's a stupid plan. What are you thinking there? You don't have the experience to do that. And I remember in the last chapter there, uh, one of the main workers on the wall were like the perfumers. You know what the perfumers did? They took rose petals and crushed those and put them in a little alabaster jar. They're going, like, yeah, like the rose petal guys, the perfumers are building the wall, right? So he's just, he's just just going off on them here. It says, and you think you're going to build the wall like that? With that motley crew here. You just might as quit now. I mean, you have insurmountable odds there. So then there's Sam Blatt with his buddies there, right? And a Tobiah the Ammonite. Remember how you always got the big bully in junior high? Then you got the little skinny kid that was always with the big bully. Okay, that's that's the next punk here, Tobiah the Ammonite. And so they're just discouraging. It's a discouraging atmosphere. And that's how it works in life, is that you will be discouraged, not only by individuals, but by the atmosphere there. And so you can kind of hear the crowd going, yeah, Sam you go, guy. Like, you get them. That's awesome, you know. And uh, they're, they're high-fiving and everything and chest-bumping. And, and, uh, says, and, the, and the crowd there starts to punk Nehemiah too there. And so how discouraging. How discouraging is this? They're saying, are you serious? Do you think you're going to build a wall by yourself? So what is, what is God showing us here that you will face this? Opposition can be in your notes. Criticism, ridicule, and mockery. You will face that. Now, if you're neutral and you never do anything for anybody, you probably won't face those things. And then in verse 3, it gets worse. Now it gets worse. Now we're going to introduce the little skinny sidekick, Tobiah the Ammonite. Tobiah the Ammonite. Who was standing beside him remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along on the top of it. So here comes Ammonite. Here comes Tobiah. And so he's so full of hot air. And he pops off. He's got to get in the mix here. And he pops off and says, yeah. That wall's such a joke. That is so pathetic. You know what, I, what a joke it is? Little five-pound walk, uh, fox walks on the wall, the wall will fall over. And so and then he's punking him too there. And so uh and so all his buddies are going, that's so sick. Don't buy it. that was that was so good there. A uh, fox, how do you think of that there? And so, anyway, they're questioning all of their qualifications there, and so. And so what happens then is in Nehemiah I want us to see his response because all that to set up how do you respond? How do you respond to this? They're throwing grenades, right? They're just throwing grenades. They're like armchair quarterback. They've never built a wall themselves. But just criticizing, that's how it is with people. Usually, when they criticize you, they're like an armchair quarterback. And so throwing little verbal grenades there. You guys are stinking up Jerusalem. You guys, you don't have it here. And so your work is so shoddy. Little little animals will knock the wall over. And so sometimes the, the opposition we face is in the form of ridicule. And really it's, it's a picture of what you're going to face. And what is the motivation? To get you to what? What's the motivation? Get you to quit, right? Just to get you to quit. And so... Uh, remember, Sambalat is a picture of the powers of darkness. So, in your notes there, the Sambalats and Tobias, the bully Sambalats, the punk Tobias of the world, they are waiting to mock and discourage you so you won't do what God wants you to do. You need to know that going in. Because if you don't, you'll get discouraged and you will quit. Now, let's watch how, how Nehemiah retaliates. This is awesome. There's a message here for all of us because you want to retaliate, right? You want to taser somebody. You want to, you, you want to right? It's just within you. I want to retaliate. I want to, you, you oppose me. It's like my natural inclination is, okay, let's get it out. Let, let, let's fight. And so, so Nehemiah now, notice what the next verse does not say. It doesn't say, and Nehemiah flipped them off. Nehemiah flipped them off and began to yell back at them and began to give them some yo mama jokes. Does it say that? Like, okay, you can do that. I got some yo mama jokes for you. Yeah, I'm going to flip you off. Yeah, I'm going to. It doesn't say any of that, does it? So see, what I want to see is he doesn't retaliate. He doesn't respond to mockery with mockery. You've been called as your Christ follower. You've been called as something higher than that. You don't respond when people mock you. You don't respond with mockery back. Look at Jesus. says he didn't retaliate okay, when people uh, hurled insults against him. See, I realize like, I don't get to retaliate. I don't get to retaliate. And so watch this. He drops on his knees and he runs to God. Look at verse 4. What does he do? Then I prayed. Now, I'll admit he gets a little fired up in his prayer and says, God, time for a little divine spanking. A little time for a little divine spanking. And so he, gets, he doesn't get caught up in the name-calling, watch. He does not get caught up in name-calling. Doesn't start putting his energy into that sideways energy. He calls upon uh, Jehovah. He calls upon God here. So when being mocked in your notes there, what do you do? You run to God. You go to God. That's what you do. You run to God. And so how do you handle opposition or, or ridicule? You engage God. You encounter God. You give your situation to Jesus. You you get his wisdom there. So I want us to see what he did here: is that He prayed and then he persevered. How will you win over discouragement and opposition? You pray and you persevere. This is how you do it here. So in your notes, when facing opposition, obedience answers to God. You don't have to answer to everybody else. You don't have to waste your time answering the sandblasts and tobias of this world. You go to God. You get God's wisdom here. And so this is how we face opposition and discouragement. Verse 5: Do not ignore their guilt, do not blot out their sins. <laughs> for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Now, it seems a little bit harsh there, doesn't it? Like, don't blot out their sins. Like, in other words, just send them to hell. Okay. God just send them all to hell. And so. He's saying that God, wait, God, this is about you. Your name is on the line here. You defend the honor of your name. We're defending the honor of your city here, verse 6. So now, now I want us to see this. Watch. What I want to see is, is that he doesn't do what most of us would do. He doesn't get so involved in sideways energy and getting into arguments there and, and so getting into it with Tobiah the Ammonite there and, and Sanballat there and coming up Geshem. He doesn't get into it with all of them. What he does is he just stays focused on the mission. He prays. He perseveres. In other words, he's not distracted. He doesn't get distracted like we can so easily get distracted. He prays. He perseveres. Now watch verse 6. What happens? At last, the wall was completed to half its height. Wow. That's amazing. May Over 100 years, the wall has never been built. Now in just like weeks, the wall is half built to half its height there. He said, I prayed to my God, and we built the wall. This is amazing. Despite all the threats, all the discouragement, all the mockery, all of the nonsense, 50% of the wall is now being built. See what you can do when you respond how God would have you respond? See what can happen if you build into your life the kind of response to discouragement and opposition that God would have you do, verse 7. When Taba, So do they get over it? No. When Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs the Ammonites and the Ashtonites and the Mosquito Bites <clears throat> heard that the work was going ahead and that all the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were happy. They were rejoicing. They were so great to see the work of God progressing. What does it say? They were, they were what? They were furious. Oh, somebody's mad now. Mm. They ticked somebody off. Incidentally though, I want to see something here. Notice where they're from. Notice where they're from. Because see, they're from, Sambalat is from Persia. From the north. Tobiah the Ammonite is from the east. Gishim's from another place. Here's the, here's the bottom line. They're from everywhere. Discouragement and opposition. It can feel like it's coming from everywhere. And so the resistance is coming from all around. They have these mocking adversaries that are multiplying here. And so it doesn't work. Watch. I want you to see this. When you get discouraged and you face opposition, and it doesn't discourage you that you quit, watch what happens. It gets amped up to the next level. Watch this verse eight. What do they do? Now they resort to physical intimidation. It says, they made all the plans to fight against Jerusalem and us and throw us into confusion. See, one of the things that uh, discourages you, and I believe that powers of darkness can do is this. They can create confusion and chaos and commotion and you just get so uh, confused and so much chaos, so much commotion. You're like, time out. I'm done. I, I, I'm done. And that's what happens here is watch. It says, they throw us into confusion. Okay, again, I want us to see. So commotion, so you get off mission. I believe darkness can can... can who can download lies and confusion on you to discourage you and to pull you out of your calling there. and So what do they do? Notice what Nehemiah does again, verse 9. But we fought back, No, no, but we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. This is how you live when you face discouragement, oppression. This is it right here, watch. He says, we prayed and that's all we did. No, no, no. We prayed, we got practical. We did something with our prayers here. We stayed focus on the mission, but we also did something. We prayed and we defended there. So here's the take-home point. Here's the take-home point in your notes. When facing opposition, yes, you want to be prayerful, but you also want to be practical there. Like if you have cardiovascular disease, You want to, you know, pray about that. But you want to get on the treadmill. You want to change your diet. Come on, somebody. I'm telling the truth here. You don't like that, do you? You don't like my saying that. You got to get on the treadmill. You got cardiovascular disease? You need some exercise. 30 minutes a day, according to the American Heart Association. There it is. (laughs) So notice, watch, watch. Okay, he's facing opposition. Yeah, he prays. And so, in one sense, he's not... I was going to bring a shovel, and I forgot to. So this picture, i got a shovel in my hand, okay? So he's not leaning on the shovel and praying that a hole would, be, would, would appear there to put the beams in. No, he's leaning on the shovel and praying, but then he's going, and he's digging the hole. Okay? Not just prayer and getting your lazy boy. Prayer and do some work. I think too often we just want to pray. Oh, I prayed about it. And? And what else? Well, I prayed. You mean, you want to get a job and you prayed about it, but you didn't apply for a job? You, like you didn't. And so he's not leaning on the shovel and pray, praying for a hole. You know, he's not, he's not digging a hole with all of his strength and not leaning on God. He's doing both. You see, you lay in bed at night and you pray that no burglars would break in, but you got to get up out of bed and lock all the doors. And close all the windows. How many people know what I'm talking about? You've got to do something. And so the model is this. Pray and be practical. So verse 10. I love this here because it it speaks so much of us. And it kind of is a picture of us here. So it's encouraging to see that. Because the people here in verse 10, they're going to get tired. They're going to complain. They're going to get discouraged. They burn out. Watch this. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired, and there's so much rubble to be moved, we will never be able to build a wall by ourselves. So the adversary, now I want you to see this, because he pivots. See, discouragement is not only from the outside. Discouragement can be from the inside. So you have your critics that you know will discourage you, but what about your teammate? What about your family? What about your friends? What about your homeboys, your compadres? There, This is what happens here, that people on the inside now are starting to discourage him. The influence of the inside there. So they're getting overwhelmed by the amount of work. Okay? So the core team there is beginning to get discouraged. Now watch the response because the response is not dictated his future is not dictated by the doubters that are around him, verse 11. Meanwhile, our enemies, were saying, before they know what's happening, we're going to swoop down on them. We're going to kill them. Or we're going to end their work. Notice it keeps amping up. First verbal abuse. Okay, now we're going to fight them. Now we're going to kill them. Now we're we'll just keep ramping up. Now, now we're going to kill them. Now we're going to take them out. So, see... Doubt could set in, discouragement could set in, intimidation can set in here. And all of these things cause you to be discouraged that you quit. But Nehemiah has a picture of how to overcome that. In your notes, when facing opposition, know this. Doubt and discouragement is going to set in. And it'll happen from the inside here. And so from within, all that to say this. This picture here. It normalizes discouragement. This is how it is. You are going to get discouraged when you step out, when you serve God. You're going to get discouraged from the outside and even from the inside. There will come the voices there. Hey, this is too much work. We're never going to so we're going to get killed here. It's going to get worse. Normal. Normal here. Verse 14, I love this because verse 14, anybody here saw Braveheart? See Braveheart, I used to love Braveheart so much, I used to love Braveheart so much, when I got done with speaking on Saturday nights, I go home and I watch Braveheart like forever. I just turned on Braveheart, I just watched Braveheart, I just loved it. I just watched Braveheart, just kind of decompress. Anyway, verse 14, here's his Braveheart talk. Then I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, here's his Braveheart. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And fight for your brothers and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Yeah. So. But what I want us to see is this. Watch. Don't miss this. Because here's what's happening. You say, is it really like I just get discouraged and I face opposition. I want to quit. Yeah. But look at what's at stake here. You want to quit and you want to give up. Look at what's at stake. He says, look, it's the next generation. This is why you fight. This is why you don't give up because it says, look, your sons and your daughters. It's not just you. That you've got to win not just for you. You've got to win for them. There's another generation. In America, the battles we fight, we've got to win for not just us, but the next generation. In your family, you've got to win not just for you, but there's generations coming after you. And so the big picture is that there's a generation. He says, but not only then, verse 16... Only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears and shield and bows and coats of mail. That's protection. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah. And so who were building the wall, the laborers carried on their work. Watch, this is so awesome. With one hand supporting the load and one hand holding a weapon. When facing opposition, what do you do? At the same time... You're building there, you're building, you're building for the future. You're building what God is calling you to do. At the same time, you're not building, you're not, you don't forget, there's a battle. There's a battle out there, and we will fight. We will fight. So there he is. In one hand, they got a trowel, got a trowel. In the other hand, they got a sword. They're fighting. That's a picture of how you do life. Okay, at the same time, yeah, you're building, you're building what God's calling you to do. There's broken walls everywhere that you are called to be a part of. But also you're building, but also you recognize there's a battle here. And I'm fighting the battle. And that's what Nehemiah did. So rest assured that discouragement is coming. Rest assured that you will be opposed. But God has given us a way. God has shown us the way that you can win over discouragement. You can win over the opposition. You don't fight back. You don't get into mocking and spend a bunch of sideways energy. You go to God. You go to God. He said, I prayed to the God of heaven over and over again. I went to God. And that's, that's what you do. And you get his wisdom and his strength. And, then, and you don't retaliate. You don't hurl insults back. You don't play those games. You be God's woman. You be God's man. You go to God and do it God's way. And In the end, like Nehemiah, you will win. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for your word, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you for the truth of these scriptures, that we place our hope and our trust in you and our faith is built up by it, the word of God. And Father, you've told us throughout the scriptures that we will face opposition. And we will face discouragement. And when we step out, we will be ridiculed. We will be oppressed. We will be mocked. But you are greater. God is greater. And thank you, Father, that the spirit of the living God is at work in us to do something, to encourage us and strengthen us and sustain us, even do something supernatural within us. And So, Father, I pray this morning that your word would find its rightful place in our hearts and build us up and encourage us. And that we would lean upon the wisdom of what God has said in this life.